This, for me, is like coming home. I was discipled by Indians, and uh, many people, when they hear me speak, they think I'm an Indian. And then when they meet me in person, they're not sure. But um, I was discipled by people who love the Lord from India, Brother Bhak Singh. And, and uh, I know many of you are not old enough to remember him, but others of you are. And, uh, uh, and as the brother said, it was his grandparents that, that uh, worked with him. And I, I had ministered on one occasion in, in uh, Hyderabad at Hebron and uh, at, at the, the organization there in 1998. And, uh, but it was when I was in college in, uh, in 1979 that I first met uh, Brother Bak Singh. And I was deeply, deeply impressed by his life. And, and if you knew him, you knew the, that he, he never spoke much. You know, he was a man of a few words until he got up to speak the Word of God. Then he, then he spoke beautifully about the Word of God. But, but if you just sat with him, he wouldn't say a word. Now, if you asked him a question, he would get, speak maybe one or two sentences and quote a couple of scriptures, and that was it. Then the conversation totally stopped. And then you'd have to ask him something else. So he was, a, he was an amazing man, amazing man of prayer. I used to see him praying upon his knees so often. And uh, because being in college, it was the college guys who, who helped to take care of him because he was in his 80s at the time. And we would just kind of help him a little bit to get around and things. And, and uh, just seeing his life um, in the dormitory rooms where we would have these, these meetings and uh, how faithful he was in prayer, how, how uh, faithful he was in the reading of the Scriptures and in prayer. So I was deeply moved. And this is why when I'm invited by an Indian fellowship, I feel an obligation to, to share. I feel an obligation because, because of how much the, the Indian Christians placed into my life. It was really, really... And, and, and I, I've never known another group Never known another group that had that sort of devotion, that sort of devotion to prayer, that sort of devotion to the Word of God. And so, for me, I feel it was the, a, a, a time of great riches that were showered upon me. And I say, Lord, why? Why me? Of all the, the young believers, why me that I would have, have that, that sort of, of uh, influence from, from these great men of faith? And so, I, I, I'm deeply appreciative. Okay, let's open up in a word of prayer. Abba Father, I praise Your name because You are good and righteous and holy. You are good in all Your ways. Praise be to Your name. Praise be to our Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us. And Lord, I pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit this evening that upon each life that You would pour out upon each life Lord, I pray that You would touch each heart here and minister to them the Word of God. Father, I pray for each person here that their life would be different and changed because of tonight. Father, for those who know You, Lord, I pray that they would come away from here desiring You all the more, desiring Your Word, desiring to worship You and to serve You all the more because of today. And Lord, I pray that You would take those here who do not know You, 
and that you would draw them to the goodness of the Lord Jesus. Because as the scriptures say, it is the kindness of God that draws men to repentance. Lord, by your Spirit, move in kindness upon the hearts to draw men and women to repentance, I pray. Lord, I ask that you would minister to us and teach us something new, something fresh, and let your word come forth. Lord, it is not me. There is nothing in me that can bring this forth. It is only by you and by your Spirit. So, Father, do that, I pray. Lord, let Jesus be glorified in our midst. Our Lord Jesus, may He be glorified. Abba, I cry out to You and ask You to minister to each heart for the glory of Jesus. Let His name be lifted up. And I commit this to You for our Lord Jesus' sake. Amen. Okay, so we we already had the reading today in Matthew chapter 4. Reading from verse 1, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Forty days and 40 nights he had been fasting. The man was terribly hungry. And in that time of weakness, the enemy comes with the thing that Jesus' body would want more than anything else normally, and that's food. And he says, you know, if you're the Son of God, just take these stones and turn them into bread. And in the midst of that, Jesus' reply is, but but He answered and He said, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. Jesus' reply is, it is written. I remember when I first heard that preached, it was a, by a man who worked with, with Brother Bak Singh. His name was, was uh, Brother Amritaraj. Does anybody remember Brother Amritaraj? Anybody? You do? Okay. You know, that, that's good. That's good. Uh, uh, it's only uh, those of us who have some white hair that remember that. It's a long time ago. It is written, if you are the Son of God, command the... He he, he says, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus, in the midst of His hunger turns the whole thing back to the Word of God. And He says, We live, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We live because of the Word of God. This is our life. Go ahead and go three days without eating. Tell me how you'll feel. You ready to partake in a wrestling match, are you? How about five days? Go five days without eating. Tell me how strong you would feel. How do you think we are spiritually if we go three days without the Word of God? We are spiritually emaciated without the Word of God. And we wonder why it is that there's no substantial difference between us and people of the world when we neglect the Word of God. 
You want to know why there's weakness, why there's this, this spiritual weakness in a life? It is lack of the Word of God. Just like going without food will make you physically weak. Jesus is the one who made this analogy, not me. Jesus is the one who said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is Jesus who does this. And this is why, when I learned from Brother Bak Singh and Dr. Koshi, the importance of the Word of God in a man's life and in a woman's life, I learned this from them, from the Indian Christians. We were taught to pick up the Word of God in the morning and have a morning quiet time, a morning devotion with the Word of God. This is what we were taught. And I will explain to you exactly how it was explained to me by these men who discipled me. What they said is you pick up the Word of God and you say, Lord, speak to me this day. Speak to me through the Scriptures. Speak to me through the Scriptures. And what happens is the Word of God comes alive. I learned from Brother Bhakt Singh. You know, Brother Bhakt Singh had a routine of reading the Word of God. His routine was this. He would start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And he'd start reading. And he'd pick up each day where he left off the day before. And when he finished Revelation chapter 22, he would start again. I have been doing the same thing for more than 35 years. Because this is what I learned from these men. I just read the Word of God and I pick up where I left off the day before. Without the Word of God daily in our lives, we are spiritually starving, spiritually weak. The Scriptures put it two ways. The Scriptures talk about meditation on the Word of God, meditation on the Word of God. In fact, it speaks about meditation on the Word of God far more than it speaks about reading. Meditation on the Word of God is to look at the text, say, Lord, speak to me. And then you begin to read. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will stop you at a verse. And you just can't get past this thing. And this is what you say. You say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, what is it that you're saying? Just like Samuel said, Lord, speak. Your servant listens. Lord, speak. Your servant listens. Speak to me through this verse. The Lord is saying something. And that's why your eye stops on this verse. How do I know? This was taught to me by Brother Bak Singh and by Dr. Koshi. This is how those men read the Word of God. And this is the way they taught us to read the Word of God. The Scriptures say that, the, 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 that in, in, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it, says, it, 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 it talks about how, how Joshua was instructed to meditate on the Word of God. To meditate day and night. That he said, he said, you shall not depart from reading this word day and night. Day and night. This is the word of God that was spoken to him. This is the word of God. In Psalm 119, verse 97, it says, Oh, how I love your word. It is my meditation all the day. Oh, how I love your word. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments... Make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And I understand more than the age, because I have observed your precepts. Look at the promise. 
for meditating on the Word of God. Look at the promise. He says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. It is my meditation all the day. Scripture puts it in two ways. Day and night and meditation all the day. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And the Word of God doesn't just promise Bible teachers. He says, all your teachers. What is your field? Who has instructed you? The Word of God gives a promise that you can have more insight than all your teachers if you'll make the Word of God your meditation. Believe it. Believe it. This is the Word of God. This is what it says. You make the Word of God your meditation. And you'll have more insight than all your teachers. That's Psalm 119, starting at verse 97. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Moses told Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. This book shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. How are we careful to do according to all that's written in it? By meditating on the Word of God. This builds within us the fear of God. The fear of God. I see men's lives being destroyed by themselves. And it always hurts me. Even my enemies, it hurts me to see a man fall. But it is disobedience to the Word of God that brings the fall. Without the light of the Word of God shining into our lives, without the light of God, what happens is we become conceited and prideful. Very easy for man to become uh, prideful and conceited. And we say things we ought not to say. We do things we ought not to do. And when you pick up the Word of God, it is like a mirror and we we start reading it and we go, uh-oh. God starts revealing things in our own lives. May He keep us ever at His feet, meditating on the Word of God. It is through meditation on the Word of God that we will remain humble in our own eyes. Humble in the, in the eyes of God. That we would remain humble. Lest you destroy your own life. And I assure you, there is plenty of trash within our own lives that is quite capable of destroying our lives. Jesus said immediately, it's not bread alone, it is the Word of God. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Psalm 112 says, says, Praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The children of the upright will be blessed. Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. So here is what happens to somebody who greatly delights in the commandments of God. Here is what it says. His descendants will be mighty on this earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. If not for your own sake, how about for your children's sake? You want the blessing of God upon your children? Meditate on the Word of God. That's the promise. 
That's what He promises us. That's the promise. Rise up in the morning, take the Word of God and start to meditate on the Word of God. And watch your life change. You can't do it three times a week. Go ahead, eat three times a week. You won't be strong. It has to be every day. The Bible puts it every day. Every day. It never promises a blessing for three times a week or twice a week or once a week. Never promises a blessing. The blessings are always promised for every day. Every day. Or day and night. Day and night. That's where Jesus brings us back to. Let's read on in Matthew chapter 4. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels' charge concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, On the other hand it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan comes to him. And look how Satan challenges him now. Satan quotes the Word of God. He's quoting Psalm 91. He said, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. The devil quoting the Bible. He will command his angels' charge concerning you. On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. It's interesting that the devil stopped quoting right there. Because the next verse in Psalm 91 says, and he will tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the cobra he will trample down. Speaking of the devil's fate. The enemy is quoting to Jesus the Bible. And Jesus comes back again and quotes from the Bible, the Gospel of uh, the, 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 uh, the, the Old Testament from the book of Deuteronomy. He quoted more from the book of Deuteronomy than from any other book. And he says, he says, the Scripture says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. God loves you. He loves you. And the constant cry within our own minds is, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. God wants to see me fall. There's this constant feeling in our own lives. And He comes and He assures us that God loves us. God loves us. He says, you don't have to put the Lord your God to the test. He has demonstrated His love for you that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what the Scriptures say. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We need not put Him to the test. You know, you can read the Old Testament and read about all these all these little blessings that are there. All these blessings... I'm going to just adjust this so my arm doesn't hit it anymore. All these little blessings that are there. But you know, you get to the New Testament and the Lord makes very clear when we are in the church that He guarantees us suffering. All those who desire to walk godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer, the Scriptures say. Shall suffer. You know, He doesn't even promise us a house. doesn't. Jesus said of Himself, He said, The foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 
If you have food and clothing, will that, with that you shall be content. That's all He promises us, is food and clothing. He doesn't even promise us a house. If you have a house, that's added blessing. He doesn't promise that to you. He does not promise to keep us from suffering. But what He does very well is He keeps us from the despair of suffering. He keeps us from the despair of suffering. The last verse in Proverbs chapter 1, He says He keeps us from the dread of evil. Doesn't mean that suffering never comes upon, but He keeps us from the dread of it. We need not dread this because His grace is there. We need not dread it because His grace is there. He doesn't promise us material blessings other than food and clothing. He doesn't. But you know what He does? is He promises us Himself. Jesus said in, 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 in uh, John chapter 14, verse 32, He says, he, he, he says uh, verse 23, he's, John 14, 23, He says, If anyone loves Me, he will keep My Word. And My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. John fourteen twenty three. Think about that. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. How does Jesus assess our love for him? Is it by saying, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus? No. He said, Jesus said, He assesses our love for us by how we keep His Word. That's how He gauges whether we love Him or not. If anyone loves me, He will keep my Word. And what's the outcome of that? <clears throat> my Father will love Him. Imagine that. God of heaven and earth will love the individual who obeys the Word of God, who obeys the words of Jesus. My Father will love Him. And we will come to Him. Who is the we? That's Jesus and His Father. We will come to Him. Trouble yourself. No further. We will come to you. How is that? We will come to Him and make our abode with Him. We will come to Him and make our abode with Him. He doesn't promise us material things. What He promises us is something far better. He promises us Himself. He promises us Himself. This is what He promises us. You need not put the Lord your God to the test. He will make His abode with you. He will live with you if you will but honor His Word and obey Him. Then He goes on in verse 8, Matthew chapter 4, And again, the devil took Him to a very high mountain and showed Him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And He said to him, All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship Me. 
Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. So the devil offers him everything in the world, everything, and their glory. And he says, I will give it all to you. You just fall down and worship me. Jesus said, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. We can receive everything in the world and we would be terribly unhappy. How do you know that? Just look at the rock stars. Look at the movie stars. They've got accolades. They've got money. They've got all the stuff a man or a woman can desire. They've got the fame, the looks, the fortune, everything. And they're miserable. Most of them are miserable. They're seeing all sorts of counselors. All so- You would think, if you just thought about human beings analytically, you would think this. You would think that if I just acquire everything for myself, I'm going to be happy because whatever I want to get. So I should be happy. You know, I want a Ferrari, get a Ferrari. You know, want a big house, I get a big... You would think that that would make me happy. But we know that life itself testifies just the opposite. That those things don't bring fulfillment. Everything was offered to Jesus. Everything. There's no fulfillment in that. He says there's fulfillment only in the worship of Him. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. You will only be fulfilled in the worship and the service of Him. In worship. That means when we come before God, and I will tell you, because Remember, we, we're, we're family. We're related. I'm Indian, sort of. I will tell you what was taught to me. How you worship. You get alone with the Lord. You get on your knees and you start to thank God for everything He's done for you. Praising Him for all the good things that He has done for you. And for how magnificent He is. It is a personal time of thanksgiving to the Lord. When you gather on the Lord's day, it is a time where you're thanking God for what He's done in your life. A personal time of thanksgiving. This is worship. This is what was taught to me. And there is fulfillment in that. When we open our mouths in worship to the Lord, we are fulfilled. It is not in getting the big big houses and the cars and the pools and all these other... There's no fulfillment. It is in the worship of God. How is a man, how is a woman fulfilled? Satan offered him everything. Everything. There's no fulfillment in that. You want to know what misery is? Misery is not being without something. That's not misery. Misery is getting everything that we wanted and finding out that it's brought no satisfaction. Finding out finding out that it's brought no peace. That's misery indeed. And I've seen it. I've seen men trash their families, trash their wives, and run off with another woman thinking that then I'll be happy. Well, in a few years, they're in a worse mess than they were originally. Thinking always that there's something, if I just get that, then I'll be happy. 
It doesn't work. Jesus said, you're going to offer me everything? Don't you understand? As it is written, there's only fulfillment in the worship of Him and in service of Him. Only in worship and in service. We must serve God. And attendance in a fellowship is not service. That is expectation. We're expected to do that. It says, it says in, in Hebrews 10.25, it says, it says uh, uh, don't neglect the fellowship of the saints as is, as is the habit of some, but come together and all the more as the day draws near. Service to Him is where there's something that we do that stretches us, that causes us to go beyond ourselves, where we have some little Bible study that we prepare for, that we take very, very seriously. I have to prepare for this. I teach a little Bible study to college students on Sundays. I prepare every day that week for Sunday. Every day of the week. So from Monday through Sunday morning, I'm preparing for that Sunday's little message that I'm going to give in this little Bible study. I take it seriously. This is my service to the Lord. I'm not serving just people because people are very fickle. They come, they go, you know, you pour your life into them and then they just leave. They come and go. My service is to the Lord. And in this I am fulfilled. You know, on the occasions where there's going to be no Bible study because it falls on some major holiday weekend or something, the richness of my own times of preparation are not as good. Because when I'm preparing to serve the Lord, to teach others, I get much more for myself. God fills me. We are fulfilled in serving, in serving the Lord. When you have some ministry, some service, something you do according to your gift, serving the Lord, only in this will you be fulfilled. You never hear about Mother Teresa being on the couch of the psychiatrist saying, when am I going to get something for me? When am I going to be fulfilled? When's going to, somebody's going to do something for me? Now she was just filled to overflowing. There was no lack in that woman because she was constantly in worship and service to others. Remember, one of the, one of the oaths they had to take to be in her order was that you had to make, you had to, to promise to have a lifelong, lifelong commitment in service to the poor. Lifelong commitment. That'll bring you satisfaction. That'll bring you peace. It's in worship and in service. Turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. In John chapter 4 is, is, is the famous portion of, of, by, of the woman by the well. John chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples. He left Judea and he went away into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near a parcel of ground that Jacob had, to give to his, had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. <clears throat> so Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So Jesus was tired. You, if you walk from Jerusalem and you go to this location, this is, this is uh, um, 
couple days walk. I mean, you're tired. It's hot out. Jesus is sitting there. He can't draw water from the well. The disciples go into the city to buy some food. And then it says in verse 7, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So he asked this woman for a drink and she says, You're a Jew. You don't, you, you, don't, you don't ask me for a drink. You know, what are you doing? And, and, and John gives us a little parenthetical expression there. He says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Just so that we understand what's going on. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. It says, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Then it says, Jesus answered and said to her. You talk about contrast. The Gospel according to John is, con- is con- constantly making tra- contrast between darkness and light. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said to her. Jesus didn't care about the culture. He was going to minister to her. He was going to minister to her. Because cultures and world religions have ways of separating people. I'm somehow better than you. Every people group thinks they're better than the other people group. Jesus said, I don't care for any of that. Jesus answered and said to her, He said, you know, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you'd really give him a drink. You you, you would not only give him a drink, you'd, you'd ask him for a drink. You'd ask me for a drink and I'd give you living water. And then she, she says, how are you going to do this? <clears throat> the well is deep. And then he says, uh, uh, she says, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Jesus said, I have something to give you that will cause you to never thirst again. I guarantee you, you will always be, always feel like you don't have enough. You will always feel that way unless you learn to worship and to serve God. You will always feel without. Because you will be. You will always be deficient. If you don't learn to worship, if we don't learn to worship and serve the Lord, we will always feel like we're lacking something. On the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And as the Scripture said, out of his innermost being will come rivers of living water. If you are thirsty, if you feel like you are spiritually thirsty, you come to Jesus. You get in the Word of God. You start worshiping and you start serving Him. And you will no longer feel without. You will have plenty. Out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then you will have something to give out to others. There'll be so much in you, you will give out to others. It's through time with the Lord, in worship, in service, understanding His Word. So He brings her back to this. Then it says in verse 10, The woman said to Him, Sir, 
Give me this water so I, I will not be thirsty nor come all this way to draw. I mean, still, she hasn't given him a drink. He said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you've correctly said I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And the one whom you're now with is not your husband. This you've said truly. Look at how gracious Jesus is. Jesus says to her, go call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you know, you're correct. Because you've had five husbands and the guy you're with now is not your husband. Then he says again, this you've said truly. Look how gracious Jesus is. This woman tells him a lie. says, I have no husband. And he says, you're right. You've had five. He turns her lie into a truth. Look how gracious he is. He doesn't say, oh, you slut. He doesn't... He, he just lifts her up. He says to her, Jesus said uh, um, to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. And then he says, this you have said truly. You see how compassionate the Lord is? We come before Him with all this junk in our lives. And He just tries to lift us up. We come spewing out with all this junk and He's, and it just lifts us up. Such a gracious man. So gracious in, the pre, in, a, in, a, in His presence. And He says, The woman said to Him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshippers. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When that one comes, He will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Jesus revealed Himself to her. But what did he do? He brought her immediately to the point of worship. He explained to her worship. You are seeking love with all of these men that you have been with. You will never be satisfied. If you expect your wife or if you expect your husband to meet all your needs and all your expectations in life and to make you happy, you will be sorely disappointed. It is only at the feet of the Lord that you will be filled. Only at the feet of the Lord. And he brings her back to worship. Of all topics, he could have started talking to her about marriage counseling and all these things. You know, if you, you, know, if you just submit to your husband and do this. And do... No, he brings her back to worship. This is where fulfillment is. And it says, at this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he'd been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the man, come and see. So the woman still didn't give Jesus a drink. She goes running into the city. He was about to start and teach her phase two. Worship is phase one. What's phase two? Service. So he starts telling his disciples. His disciples say, Rabbi, eat. He says to them, I have food that you don't know about. The disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Worship and service. Worship and service. This is where fulfillment is. Jesus said, I'm not even hungry anymore. 
I mean, I just got done sharing this with this woman. I'm not even hungry anymore. I mean, I was hungry. I was thirsty. I'm not even hungry and thirsty anymore. You want to be fulfilled? You learn to worship and you learn to serve. You must have a place of ministry. That might be with children in a nursery changing diapers. Wherever you are gifted, you must have something. If you can't spend a couple of hours each week in service to the Lord, you are selfish. We are selfish with our time if we can't spend a couple of hours in service to the Lord each week. And we will never be fulfilled without that. Jesus said, you offer me everything, Satan? There's no fulfillment. There's fulfillment only in the worship of God and in the service of Him. You want to be fulfilled? You learn to worship God and we serve Him. We worship and we serve. And we never forget that God loves us. He takes care of us. And He promises us His very self. That His Father and Himself will abide with us. And that without the Word of God, without the Word of God, we are emaciated. We are starving. And there will be no power in our lives, no strength in our lives, without the Word of God. Let's pray. Abba, Father, I thank and I praise You for Your goodness toward us. Thank You, Lord, for the Word of God. For the Word of God speaks to us. The Word of God challenges us. The Word of God calls us to something greater. Lord, I pray for these fine people. For it was their parents and their grandparents that taught me so much. Lord, I pray for these, these fine people here. I pray that You would take the Word of God and make it an integral part of their lives. That as Moses said, the Word of God is Your life. Father, I pray that the Word of God would become their very life. Father, I pray that starting this day, each one would pick up the Word of God and meditate on it. And tomorrow morning they will rise up early and meditate on the Word of God, that you will change people's hearts because of this day. They would learn to take up the Word of God and to make it a part of their lives. Father, I pray for these fine people that you build in them a love and a trust for you. And they would see that it is not in material blessings, but it is your very self that you promise. And Lord, I pray that you would teach them to worship and to serve, that they would have times of worship and times set aside for service, and in that, that they would be fulfilled. Father, work in their lives, I pray. And Lord, I pray for those here who do not know you. Lord, I pray that you draw them to Jesus, that they may know you, that they may know you for the glory of Jesus work in their lives. Lord, I pray for their children. I pray for the good of their children, that the Word of God would be active in their lives, that the parents here would pick up the Word of God and make it their delight so that their children will grow up loving You. Father, 
work in their lives, I pray. Have mercy on these fine people for the glory of our Lord Jesus. And in His name, Amen.